This is Hashtag History episode 108. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And here we are nearing the end of yet another season. It's always right around this point that I get this kind of bittersweet feeling. Um, It's somewhere around the eighth or so episode of every season that my brain needs a break from all of the research, but my heart still wants more. Your heart goes on. (laughs) The heart does go on, in (laughs) fact. If you've been with us a while, you know that we like to bring on a special guest to help us close out each season of the podcast. So be sure to stay tuned all the way to the end of next week's episode, because that's when we will be announcing this season finale special guest and this one's huge it's a big big one it's a big one uh, i still have not fully wrapped my head around this season's finale yeah. guest uh-huh. but for this week it's just the two of us so sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> This week, we will be discussing the 1968 Olympics, the black boycott, and the black power salute seen around the world. On October 16th, 1968, two African-American Olympic athletes, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, who had just won gold and bronze, respectively, in the 200-meter sprint, took their place on the winner's podium and each raised a black-gloved fist into the air as the United States National Anthem played. This act of protest on behalf of human rights would lead to booing and hissing from the audience and the eventual expulsion of both athletes involved. However, this image of Smith and Carlos with fists in the air would go down in history and would become one of the most iconic and most influential incidents in sports history. We have so much to talk about this week. We do. So let's first talk about this cocktail. Love it. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And this is Hashtag History, the podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike, where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. Thank you to this week's cocktail sponsor, Miss Local Lou from the Local Lou podcast herself. Lou is a big supporter of Hashtag History and even had us on her podcast a while back. Uh, We talked about the Dakota War of 1862. So be sure to check out that episode on her podcast. Again, it's called Local Lou. And she's really awesome and so supportive of the podcast. And we had a lot of fun on that guest episode. Yeah. And she left us a very sweet comment saying, life is better with a cocktail and some corruption. (laughs) I love that. That needs to be on a shirt. Yeah. (laughs) Always exciting to hear the topic when a new episode drops. Cheers. Clinks to Luscious Lou cocktails. Oh, cute. Because Leah had put together like a personalized cocktail for... For that guest episode and was called the the luscious Lou. that's so cute that's right i forgot about that mm-hmm. okay so this week's cocktail is called the fist fight that's good now before you come at me about how it relates to this week's topic let me explain okay when i first heard that this was the topic that rachel would be covering today the immediate image that came to my mind was the infamous photo which you already kind of mentioned of two black athletes standing in first and third place on the olympic podium fists in the air heads down mm-hmm so the fist fight. It's perfect. I love it. Yeah. So the fist fight contains uh, equal parts of peach schnapps, cranberry juice, pineapple juice, absolute current vodka, which could not find. Yeah. Even at my beloved Total Wine Couldn't that find carries it. everything, they were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> 
and then they were like could you, what's the flavor profile we can help you find an alternative and i was like i don't know yeah i, I and i found out current it, currants are either somewhere between like raisins possibly okay or berries of some sort okay so i got blueberry vodka i love it that sounds great as a substitute and then the last ingredient equal parts is raspberry vodka so there's a lot of different types of vodka for sure nappies uh-huh there's a lot of ingredients lots going on and it looks gorgeous it looks beautiful it's pink um and it has a little frozen peach floating yeah, in there i love it okay cheers cheers it's really 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 good it's very peachy Yes. I love it. Mm-hmm. This is very easy to drink. And there's a lot of alcohol in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know those little, like, um, little baby alcohol, like, mm-hmm. that people have on planes and stuff? Mm-hmm. That's what I bought, because I was like, I'm not going to buy, like, an entire bottle of peach schnapps that I probably won't drink yeah. a lot of. And same with especially the um, blueberry vodka. Uh-huh. Like, when am I ever going to drink that? So I bought just a bunch of peach schnapps, a bunch of the blueberry vodka. It, it and was cute. You she, and I both had the little baby raspberry yep. vodka bottles. It was all put together with baby bottles. And so, <laughs> yeah, between our two drinks, there's three of those little baby Oh my god. Shooter vodka yeah. whatever bottles. Um so it's strong, but it doesn't taste over But it strong. doesn't tra- taste over Rachel tra- tra- strong. Tra- it already hit Rachel. Yeah, it's already hit me. Um I'm giving this a 10. I would too. Yeah, it's delicious. Summery. Yeah. No um no negative thoughts. I feel like normally we have a cocktail and there's like 10% of something I would change. Yeah. I wouldn't change anything. I love it. I love it. Great. All right. Okay. Easy. Easy peasy. Beautiful. <laughs> Cover girl. girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Before we dive all the way into this episode, I wanted to give a little plug for myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've actually researched and covered this topic before. I wrote an article for Inside History magazine called Shut Up and Dribble with the question mark at the end. I feel like that emphasis is important, okay. uh, in which I dove heavily into the Black Power salute that occurred during the 1968 Summer Olympics, and then applied it to more contemporary examples of athletes peacefully protesting, such as Colin, Colin Kaepernick yep. and LeBron James. Yep. So if you're interested in reading that article, you can order a copy of Inside History magazine online. And the article that I wrote is in issue number seven. It's called Protest, Revolt, and Reform. Now back to the show. Okay. Back to the show. Shut up and podcast. We have to start first with the political and social climate leading up to the 1968 Olympics. And I know, I know, I know that things are awful right now in 2022. Yeah. I'm not denying that because I'm feeling it in my bones every single day. In your uterus, really. Mostly in the uterus, occasionally in the bones. (laughs) (laughs) But when I hear from people of usually like my parents' generation or older than that, that, you know, say things like, wow, the world is such a bad place today. Things used to be so much better. I'm always like, but they weren't. (laughs) I mean, things change and we've seen progress in some ways, regression, certainly in other ways. But when I think back to the 1960s, for example, I mean, shit, was wild then too more than wild more than wild abhorrent Uh, yeah abhorrent is a great word for it (laughs) and that's really important to discuss in relation to the background and context of today's story 
The same year as the Black Power salute at the Olympics was also the same year as the tragic assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert F. Kennedy. And that's something, I mean, just every time someone says, like, things are so bad today, yes, they are. I would agree with you. But to say they're better than they were, like, there used to be, like, assassinations of American public figures, like, every couple months Yeah, (laughs) in this time period here. In response to King's murder, the civil unrest that already existed in the country became that much more evident. Riots and protests would emerge in more than 100 cities across the United States. This public response to his death would lead to nearly 30,000 arrests, as well as the deaths of more than 40 people. Kennedy's assassination, only two months later, further deepened the feeling of social unrest and distrust. As political scientist Ross Baker said, quote, Perhaps if Robert Kennedy's murder hadn't occurred so hard on the heels of Dr. King, the sense of national desperation would not have been so acute, mm-hmm. unquote. Yeah. And maybe one day on this podcast, we'll dive into the way King's and Kennedy's assassinations have oftentimes been combined because of how close in time they were to one another. And because most people believe, you know, both men were fighting for roughly the same things. Yeah. Although if we do dive further into it one day, I would love to highlight that although Kennedy was responsible for some pretty major advancements for black Americans under his leadership, he was also responsible for the FBI wiretapping yeah. <laughs> Dr. King. Uh, we would also dive into the fact that the two men, King and Kennedy, could hardly be considered friends. Mm-hmm. Regardless of this, the combination of these two assassinations, in addition to the lingering trauma from the assassinations of John F. Kennedy and Malcolm X in the years prior, really, really distressed Americans for lack of a better, more dynamic word. It's also important to note the way that Robert Kennedy's assassination in particular significantly altered the course of history in another regard that was causing a lot of social and civil unrest at the time. You see, many historians believe that had Kennedy lived and become president, America would not have been involved in Vietnam as long as we were. By 1965, the United States was fully engaged in regular bombings of Vietnam, something that millions of Americans protested. In fact, between October and November of 1969, approximately 15 million Americans would protest the war in Washington, D.C., marking one of the largest protests in American history. And finally, just a year before the infamous Black Power salute incident that we will be discussing shortly, world-renowned boxing champion Muhammad Ali made his stance on the Vietnam War known when he refused to join the U.S. Army and fight in the conflict. Ali has a really important quote about this that I'm going to read. In this quote, he does use the N-word, and the use of that word is important to the power of the quote. So I'm going to read the quote, but we'll be giving a silent pause at the point in which he uses that word. He said, quote, My conscience won't let me go shoot my brother or some darker people or some poor hungry people in the mud for big, powerful America. And shoot them for what? They never called me a... They never lynched me. They didn't put no dogs on me. They didn't rob me of my nationality, rape and kill my mother and father. Shoot them for what? How can I shoot them poor people? Just take me to jail, unquote. And the U.S. almost did just that. 
the eventual three-time world champion and former Olympic gold medalist would be convicted of draft evasion, sentenced to five years in prison, fined $10,000, and banned from boxing for three years for his refusal to serve in the military as part of a war he didn't believe in. Go Muhammad. Yes. We we have a picture of him in our in guest bathroom. bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yes. we do. <laughs> he looks down on me every time I pee. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> so all of this is really the social and political climate that Americans were in leading up to the 1968 Olympics. So let's shift our focus now to Tommy Smith and John Carlos, the two people at the center of this monumental moment in history. While both were students at San Jose State University, what up, CSU? (laughs) (laughs) They became leaders in a group founded by former athlete and sociology professor Harry Edwards. This group was called the Olympic Project for Human Rights, or the OPHR. Did you know that San Jose State University's mascot is the banana slug? (laughs) It's the banana slug? Yeah, they were banana slugs. Absolutely did not know that. What? (laughs) Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz is the banana slug. Yeah, I got Santa Cruz and San Jose mixed up. I'm sorry. I'm still shocked. (laughs) Uh, Wow. Okay. Yes. They were the Spartans, actually. The San Jose. San Jose Spartans. Yep. Okay. Go Spartans. Spartans. <laughs> Not slugs. Not the slugs. <laughs> the primary goals of this group, the OPHR, were to protest racial segregation in sports, calling for the equal treatment of black athletes, and advocating for the employment of more black coaches in the Olympics. At a time when black athletes like Jackie Robinson were breaking through the white barrier in professional sports. Killing it, really? Yes, killing it. Exceeding it by a lot. Yes. The OPHR sought to remind Americans that these accomplishments did not mean that racial inequality no longer existed within sports. Initially, the OPHR intended to boycott the Olympics altogether, and some black athletes did just that. But for Smith and Carlos, they chose instead to compete in the games and to use this public platform as a way to further push the project's objectives. The 1968 Summer Olympics were held in Mexico City, making these the first Olympics to be held in Latin America and the first in a Spanish-speaking country. The 1968 Olympics was also unique in that this would be the second Olympic Games in which South Africa was banned from participating, a ban that would not be dropped until the 1992 Olympics. You see, South Africa was under white minority rule and the institution of apartheid, which denied equal rights to any South Africans that were not white. This meant, particularly in relation to their participation in the Olympic Games, that athletes from South Africa were split into segregated teams, and South Africa only brought white athletes and all white teams to the Olympics. In response to this, the International Olympic Committee said, uh, no thanks, and banned them from participating in 1964. Listen, the International Olympic Committee is by no means perfect. Absolutely not. But that's one thing where it's like, kudos to you. And also, don't really get why you would be not bringing athletes who would possibly win you gold medals. 100%. <laughs> like, you're hurting just, yourself. You're hurting yourself. I know. It just doesn't make sense. And the fact that this lasted until 1992 is a little mind-blowing as well. Yeah, we were, we were born. We were born, yes. The fact that it took them that long to get it together is outrageous. I I appreciate what you just said, too, because I do think it's interesting context uh, that the, you know, International Olympic Committee 
at least performatively or yes. at face value yeah. show that they were committed to racial equality when we're about to talk about the fact that they're not or the they f- weren't what <laughs> they certainly did not demonstrate that they were yeah. in this particular instance that we're just about to talk about yes on October 16th, 1968, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, the two American athletes that we previously discussed, they competed in the 200-meter sprint. Smith won and set a world record when he completed the sprint in just 19.38 seconds. Very impressive. At 20.06 seconds was Australian athlete Peter Norman. And in third place at 20.10 seconds was Carlos. Mm-hmm. Following the competition, as these three athletes were preparing to take the winner's podium, they were talking amongst themselves about how they were going to use their platform to bring awareness to the human rights cause that they stood behind. We're going to look at the infamous picture from this incident shortly, but I want to point out a few things to you before we do so that you notice more than just the fists in the air. Mm -hmm. These men really thought through each demonstration that they made very deliberately. Mm -hmm. For one, you'll see that they removed their shoes to reveal their black socks before taking the platform as a representation of black poverty. Never noticed that. I know. You'll see around their necks that they wore beads And these represent lynching. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you will see a black glove on each of their hands. You'll see that the black glove is on Smith's right hand and the other glove is on Carlos's left hand. The story that I read was that both men had their own pair of gloves and had intended to wear both gloves, but that Carlos didn't realize until they were taking the podium that he had actually left his pair back at Olympic Village. Embarrassing. Yeah. (laughs) So it was actually Norman, the white Australian athlete that had taken second place that suggested that Carlos wear one of Smith's gloves. And that is why one is raising his right fist while the other is raising his left fist. Mm -hmm. When asked by the media about this later, Smith said that the difference in which fist was raised was symbolic He said the right glove was representative of power in black America. The left was representative of black unity. Right. Way to spin that out. Spin the story. Yeah, love it. (laughs) You will also notice that all three men, including Norman from Australia, were wearing badges for the OPHR. Yeah. Go, Norman. Right. Okay, so let's check out the picture. Okay. I mean, it's exactly, you pretty much detailed it, but Mm -hmm. it's... Uh, They're on the podium. There's one in first, one in third, and then little Norman in second. And um, (laughs) they're holding their fists up. They're looking down. Yes, I think that's really important. And I also never noticed before that they are holding up different fists. Mm -hmm. Never noticed that. So, And then also you will see that white badge that's on all three of their Uh, jackets. That's for the OPHR. Yeah, never Mm -hmm. caught that before either. I always, in seeing this photo, assumed that the Australian was just like not in on it. Hadn't been part of the conversations, but he clearly was. Yeah. Um, which is really cool. Yeah. That's something we're going to talk about shortly that I too had the same impression that he was just there <laughs> and, and was not part of the movement, but he was. Awesome. Yeah. So this photo is powerful enough. And as always, uh, we post all our pictures to Instagram at hashtag history underscore podcast. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. If you'd like <laughs> to check us out on there. Uh, but in addition to seeing this picture, I really recommend that everyone watch the full award ceremony on YouTube. I'll have to do that. Because it's when you watch it in live action that the power and the gravity of this movement really hits you. Smith and Carlos made this movement during the playing of the Star-Spangled Banner, America's national anthem. When the anthem began to play, they turned toward the United States flag, bowed their heads, and lifted their fists into the air. 
And when you watch it in live action, that one minute and 35 second song sure feels a hell of a lot longer than that. I'd like to speak to a couple yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First and foremost, for sure, like um, our first dance, I was like, nope, we're cutting the song in half. Yeah. Because I, it's a long time when all eyes are on you. Yes. A minute can feel like forever. Yes. So I can, I mean, on a very different No, but I agree scale, with you. relate to that. Like time is... I completely agree with you. Stretches mm-hmm. in moments like that. Um, and could feel like forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then secondly, I wonder, mm-hmm. and I'd like to know, like people comment maybe on the Instagram photo or something, or maybe we'll do a poll. I want to know, do people recognize the U.S. anthem, like the oh, Star Spangled yeah. Banner? Because there's a couple, like I think I recognize Great Britain. Yeah, I recognize Great Britain, Canada, and probably Mexico. Yeah. Or the anthems and I'm just that like, I know. Do other countries like recognize and know ours? Yeah. Or is it just us? Yeah. <laughs> I would actually love to hear like, that. Is, is it as powerful to other? Obviously, it's not. It's not as meaningful to others as it is to people who live in the US. But is it recognizable? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's sorry. actually, that's a great question. I would love to hear from people if it is. Random thought. Random thought, but I loved it. Okay. Um. So yeah, I mean, exactly what you just said. When I watched the award ceremony from this Olympics, that this competition here i actually got kind of emotional it's not an easy thing to do the bravery that it took to go barefoot and thrust their fists up into the air for the full national anthem and to hold it there through the full national anthem as millions of people around the world watched it was a lot i mean that's that was a really really long time to be committed to doing something and i'm sure that major especially if you start hearing booze and stuff yeah like uh, <laughs> I mean, it makes you like question, like, is, yeah. am I doing the right thing yeah. in this moment or whatever? Yeah, you know? I agree with that. It's it's hard to do something like that. Yeah. Um. So I know when I first saw the picture from this, very similarly to what you said, I assumed that the Australian athlete didn't have anything to do with this demonstration. In fact, I assumed he was probably like these almost annoyed. Yeah, yeah. But like I pointed out, he was also wearing a badge for the OPHR. That's awesome. Yeah. Not all that different from the United States, Australia was also in the midst of their own awakening regarding racial discrimination, with policies beginning in 1901 and some running all the way through 1973. Australia was under the legislation of white Australia policy, which essentially halted all non-European immigration into the country and further limited the rights of non-white people there. In demonstration of his protest of racism within his own country, Norman stood in solidarity with his fellow athletes. Hey everyone, we are so excited to share with you about Macy's Wine Shop. Yes, it is that Macy's. Macy's has launched their very own wine shop, which includes full-size, delicious wines curated by their experts coming from renowned wine regions, which include our home state of California and beyond. You can select exactly what type of wine you are looking for. Do you love reds? Do you love whites? Maybe a little bit of both? You can make these personalized selections quickly and easily through the Macy's Wine Shop. What makes Macy's Wine Shop better than any other online wine club is that they deliver quality wines at unmatched price points, all within one to three business days. Seriously, I ordered my wine on a Monday and had already received them by that following Wednesday. And with our link, you get $50 off a six bottle box of Macy's award-winning wines, which is a $95 retail value. 
Head to the show notes of this episode to access the discount code, or you can head to our Instagram to find the link in our bio. Cheers. The image of Smith and Carlos with their fist in the air would become one of the most iconic and most influential incidents in not only sports history, but in American history. And in response to this demonstration, the audience booed and hissed. The men were rushed from the stadium with Olympic officials hot on their heels. Shortly after what Olympic officials deemed to be too much of a political statement for a setting that is generally intended to be apolitical... I think the Nazis would disagree with that. I'm so glad you said that. That's what I'm just about to say. Like, literally, the Olympics were their political statement. I am thrilled, in fact, that you said that. Because, Sorry. no, that was fabulous timing. Um, so, for this particular incident, the 1968 one, the president of the International Olympic Committee, Avery Brundage, had ordered for the suspension of Smith and Carlos because this was too political of a statement. But going directly to what you just said, I find this interesting because Brundage, who had served as the president of the United States Olympic Committee during the 1936 Games, Mm -hmm. had raised no objections to the Nazi salutes that were used there. Well, absolutely not. Why would he? It's just curious because that does feel like a political statement to me. (laughs) Anyway. Sorry, I just wanted Mm, everybody to know that like, while I do see Rachel's notes in front of me, that was purely just oh, coincidence. Yeah. But they, it always is. You, yeah. You're reading along as I'm reading along. You're not jumping ahead yeah. a paragraph. You always you always do that. I love it. I <laughs> is it that you read my mind or you know history so well? Uh, both. Uh, <laughs> Potentially both. Probably the former. <laughs> <laughs> Many called for the suspension of Smith and Carlos, but the U.S. Olympic Committee decided not to do this and instead eventually expelled both of them from the games. Mm. The response Smith and Carlos received once they returned to the United States wasn't much more favorable. They were vilified in the media. (sighs) One particular article from Time Magazine said, quote, faster, higher, stronger is the motto of the Olympic Games. Angrier, nastier, uglier, better describes the scene in Mexico City last week, unquote. Gross. What was ugly about what they did? That's... Ugh, that's exactly it. I find it so inaccurate when we're talking about a peaceful, silent demonstration that didn't hurt or harm anyone in any way. Yeah. Like it, it was it wasn't it wasn't Oh, absolutely. It wasn't they, disturbing. They didn't, yeah, they, it wasn't they let harmful. the national anthem go if someone wasn't looking directly at you know what I mean? Yep. Like they would never know it was yep. happening. I it was a peaceful, silent demonstration. Yes. <sighs> they were called, quote, a couple of black-skinned stormtroopers. Ew. Unquote. They were called hateful and immature. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, very immature, totally right? Like, immature. I find that to be, like, honestly, the most mature demonstration available. <laughs> the athletes faced death threats and constant surveillance by the FBI. Mm. In fact, in 1973, five 
years after the 1968 Olympics, when an FBI agent was still outside of Carlos's door, Carlos leaned out and asked the agent if he'd like to come in for a cup of coffee. I love. I, I know. Love. I know. Carlos said of this exchange, quote, he said the rules of surveillance dictated that he was not permitted to actually enter my house and have coffee with me. I asked if it was against regulations for me to bring two hot cups out to the car, and he paused and said no unquote. So then he did. <laughs> I, I tell this story to demonstrate really just how much this just became a way of life for them. A sad and lonely way of life. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Smith and Carlos would eventually return to sports, both playing for the National Football League. Carlos even eventually worked with the 1984 Summer Olympics Organizing Committee. Wow. I know. A little okay. bit of progress. Yeah. Unexpected progress. Athletes are just so much more forgiving than I am. Mm. Maybe that's not... I, sh- I guess I shouldn't say that as a like a blanket statement, but the ones that we've covered in this podcast, I'm like... Actually, yeah, you have a good point that the last athlete that we were amazed by their forgiveness was Catherine Switzer, the yep. first woman to officially run the Boston Marathon that we covered two weeks ago, I believe. Yeah, um, and forgave the dude that literally attacked her while she yeah. was running it. Um, yeah, that's a great point. Very fun. For- yeah. <laughs> Should we seek <laughs> therapy? Or... Should we be more athletic? <laughs> I much prefer I, the therapy option. The <laughs> or should we be more athletic? Would that make us better people? Ah. Um, I mean, they do say that when you're like... You're happier. You're happier when you're physically healthy. Um, I... I prefer therapy. Yeah, I prefer the, the therapy. Yeah. Australian silver medalist Peter Norman, however, would not have a similar fate. For his part in the demonstration, Norman was nearly entirely ostracized from the sporting community. He was vilified in the media and was rejected from the 1972 Summer Olympics despite qualifying numerous times. And again, this doesn't make sense to me because like, obviously he was like a part of it in that he was, he supported them. He talked about it with them. He wore the pin, but like he did nothing that somebody else wouldn't. Yeah. I would say us with hindsight looking at it nowadays didn't even realize he was involved in the movement until we did the research. Yeah. But no, they Australia was pissed at him. Even when the Summer Olympics were hosted in Sydney, Australia in 2000, Norman was not invited to participate. When Norman passed away in 2006, Smith and Carlos both served as pallbearers at his funeral. Oh, kill me. I know. That's sweet and lovely. Yeah. In 2012, Norman would receive a formal apology from the Australian House of Representatives and would also receive a posthumous Order of Merit Award from the Australian Olympic Committee. Too little, too late. Too little, too late. Smith and Carlos would also be recognized in more recent years for their role in the 1968 demonstration. There's now a statue at San Jose University where Smith and Carlos were once students that shows them standing barefoot on a winner's podium, fist in the air. It's kind of a neat... Uh, statue to see actually if you wanted to check it out um, if you just google like the San Jose 1968 black power salute statue I find it it's 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 interesting <laughs> the Australian that's, that's why I find it really interesting so I mean do you want to describe what you're seeing yeah sorry I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be rude but yeah it's the podium it's exactly what you see in the photo that we'll share on Instagram mm-hmm. but then Norman's not on his second place post which yeah is, I, I mean 
I just find interesting. I know. That's what I was saying. I find it interesting because we know that he was a part of the movement, but also it was their movement. Yeah. Smith and Carlos's. And also they were the ones that were the students at San Jose. They were the ones that got expelled from the games. I um, guess I just like, I either would have not put the second place thing there yeah. at all, or I would have included him. Yeah. Like, I know. I that's, why, that's why I find it really interesting. I definitely recommend checking it out because uh, it is interesting seeing that like second place yeah. space just empty. Yeah. What is really amazing about that statue, though, is just how much it captured exactly what they looked oh, like. 100%. Like, it almost looks like a still photo yeah, of them. It, it even looks... got that one guy, his, his arm wasn't quite as straight right. up, you know? Yeah, um. it's pretty amazing. The two men were also invited to the White House by President Barack Obama in 2016. So that's the story. I think um, maybe one way to kind of wrap it up, not having a quick reaction to when there is a peaceful demonstration. I think, I mean, and that goes not just for athletes. Like, you know, if anyone is making a peaceful demonstration, yeah. take a second, think about, you know, potentially the alternatives. It could not be a peaceful demonstration. Yeah. I There's a part of me that understands that people are like, it's disrespectful to our nation, but why does our nation matter more than yeah, the way that our nation treats yeah. our people. Exactly. Why yeah. does the our nation as a um, figurative mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. matter more than the lives of the people living in it. I think that is a perfect statement. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Hashtag History. We will share the picture that we discussed on the episode to our Instagram and all sources used to put together this episode can be found on our website at hashtag history pod.com. I almost ran out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you use. Share about us with your family and friends. And then we'd love it so much if you gave us a rate and review. And be sure to check us out on Instagram. We are at hashtag history underscore podcast we're also on tiktok at hashtag history all one word and come join us over on patreon where for as little as one dollar a month you can help support our books and booze supply you also get access to some behind the scenes content weekly hashtag hangout episodes an automatic 15 percent off all merchandise and we mail you cards and stickers wow. yeah wow <laughs> wow. wow thanks, <laughs> thanks. bye, bye. <laughs>
That is how I said it. You'd be amazed who will disappoint you. Did you just eat the peach? It was amazing. <laughs> Seriously, you should do it now. It's so good. <laughs>